We're reading from chapter 9, uh, beginning in verse 13, uh, all the way through chapter 10. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered the poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ornament give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. In the anger of the ruler rises against you. Do not leave your place, for calm, calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in, low, in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of, words, the, beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, in the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice or some winged creature tell the matter. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. If you would bow with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for uh, the wisdom and the clarity of mind and um, open hearts and desires for uh, transformation to take place, Lord, in us. We know uh, whether we've been a Christian for a long time and been in church a long time, there, 
we have a tendency to uh, grow weary in doing good and grow weary in living a life that be pleasing to you. And we are prone to wonder, and so we ask today that you would draw us back and uh, transform us. In Christ's name, amen. So there's a lot of, uh, this This is one of those uh, uh, the passages, because uh, we're looking at a larger section that you could study and, and maybe just kind of separate out pieces. And you may say, hey, this doesn't feel like a cohesive unit. And that's okay. I mean, we're going to just, we're going to work through it together and, and look at it and try to think in, in terms of what, what's, what's at the heart, you know, of what he's dealing with. Uh, one thing would be, I think there's just a lot here about just normal common sense that should be there. You just think, well, that, that, that should be a part of what we're saying here. Uh, that you just want to be wise, which is, of course, what we are doing uh, in this study. We are studying wisdom. Uh, one of the things that you might also know is just uh, you're going to see the struggles with individuals and society when people in power are foolish. That's that's another aspect of this. Uh, it, it's it's tough on, you know, that you've always heard people say probably uh, you will never rise above your leadership. And so there's this thing of like uh, when you have really poor leaders, people make poor decisions. It kind of rolls down also sometimes the leader especially in a country where uh, you're choosing your leaders which is not something like they would be here but often your leaders reflect who you are as a nation that's just kind of something to kind of note but I think just it's kind of here when we're thinking about it we're seeing uh, evidences of foolishness and we're saying leadership is a key role in this and also um, it, it seems to trickle down into where people are kind of doing foolish things. And so you're going to be thinking more about, like, how do you live a good common-sense life, a focused life on things that, that are um, would be honoring to the Lord. And we want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior and live a, a life of wisdom, even if it's undervalued. That's just kind of what it's going to be. That, that's what you need to know. It will be undervalued in a culture uh, that is not spiritually focused, God-focused, people-focused. It really, it's going to be undervalued. And so it's okay. You just have to strive to value it and strive to be wise yourself. And so the one statement that might help us is wisdom is better than folly for all aspects of everyday life, whether you're in leadership or just kind of leading yourself. You know, that's, that's, it's really, really helpful. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Wisdom is better than folly for, for all aspects of life. And we'll look at a number of those. We'll start with a story, and then we'll kind of see five levels of society where that's valuable. So you can kind of put that in your mind. Hopefully it will help you. So first, with this story about how wisdom is better than folly, uh, even if un- unappreciated, like you just kind of have to see that and understand that. that the, the story kind of sets the tone for the rest of the things that we're going to see. So you look at 9, 13 through 16. If I'm studying this, and even in my notes, I have it marked. I mark the word wisdom because it's mentioned a bunch of times. And I like when, re- when there's repetition, it helps me understand. Another thing you'll see is king or leadership. and You could mark that in a distinct way. But you'll notice here, there's this little city, <clears throat> and there's few men in it, meaning few people able to defend it and this great king comes to besiege it and he 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 prepares to do it 
in such a way that he builds different things around the city so that he might attack the city and take it. And then there's this little poor wise man there in the city. And um, he, in whatever way he does it, tells the people, this is what we're going to do. And the city's not taken by the king. And he says, yet no one remembered this poor man. He would not be known, maybe didn't like, you know, I'm sure some person in the city maybe even took credit for it, perhaps. But this poor wise man delivered the whole city. Verse 16, but I say that wisdom is better than might through the poor man's wisdom, or though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. And, you know, I think about that and I think about aspects of just... um like in the life of Saul and David, remember, the people wanted a king like the nations. Somebody that looked like a king. You know, even if he was a fool. Foolishness was not on the, the thing. It would almost be like, who's like popular in the culture? You know, like some people live their whole life in like junior high and high school. You know, and so they spend their time trying to be the person in the city, you know, that other people are looking up to. And they take a lot of, you know, credit for that. And so they want to look a certain way, present everything around them a certain way. They want the respect that they think they deserve for just being whatever. Having something, uh, possessing, making a certain amount of money, having a kind of place that others would honor or whatever. And you have to just look at it and say, look, uh, the real deal here is Saul kind of was that kind of leader He was all appearances, but no real true heart or wisdom. So, David, on the other hand, remember when they came to his house, his dad didn't even like have him sent for, he was out in the field. Really, as you see the Psalms, walking with the Lord and tending sheep. He was the humble one, the lowly small child kind of in a way, and he's appointed as king and doesn't become king until he's ready to be king. But I just think it's important to note that. And you will know, again, even though we would say Solomon it doesn't make every decision in a wise way, what did Solomon ask for? He asked for wisdom. He wanted wisdom. My thought is, like, when you think about your life, is that what you're pursuing? Wisdom? If somebody was to look over your life and your activities under the sun, your thoughts under the sun, would they say, hey, that person's in the pursuit of wisdom? Really, like, in the pursuit of wisdom. And they demonstrate a heart of wisdom. They're living for things that are, that wise people don't become wise without practice. So, you continue forward. Um, well, I, I don't want to say that one other thing. Even if you make a lot of wise decisions in life, you just need to get it in your head. Foolish people cannot see it. That, that's just, just kind of need to chalk up for that. You, you may spend your life making wise decisions, and you're around fools, and guess what? They'll either take credit for your decisions, or they will undervalue them. It's kind of... Put that in your, you know, 
pipe and smoke it? That's probably not the best. That's what the first thing that came to my head. That's probably not what you need to do. Okay, verse 17. The words, sorry, I just threw that in and it's like, you know, I'll, Anna will be like, that probably wasn't in your notes. It wasn't. So uh, verse 17 and 18. The words of the wise her, uh, of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. What Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. I think what he's saying, I think it's important just to say like, you know, sometimes the loudest person wins. You know what, what kind of room he wins in? A, a room filled with fools. If somebody is loud and screaming out and acting foolish and just obnoxious and the mob is listening to him, then that's kind of, you kind of know you're in a foolish world when, the, when that's happening. It's like, a, like I said, sometimes it's just evidence of how foolish the world you are is that you're living in. But instead of getting in a shouting match, a wise person is one that will hold his tongue. And oftentimes, as you see, will speak softly. And guess what? Other wise people will listen. That, that's just kind of the thing you would say. It, it just, they will over time. It's kind of one of the, you know, it's just important to know. And so he uses the same example we just we were talking about with the man in the story. But wisdom is better than weapons of war. But that doesn't mean that one sinner can't destroy much good. I mean, what, sometimes they get loose. Again, sometimes the mob joins around the loudest fool and they get loose, and they bring destruction in a moment. So, I think it's important just to note that this is not, again, my wisdom. This is scriptural wisdom. We want to be wise people. So, we have this story of wisdom that sets us up to say, wisdom is better than folly for every aspect of life. The first thing that he's going to address, although we've already addressed a little bit, the first thing we're actually addressing is saying, here's an area is that wisdom is better than folly when making decisions. He speaks of these dead flies. The idea here is um, you could live your life being pretty wise and in a moment mess it up. You, you could say, um, and I, I can't think of the way that I, I've heard this guy say it over and over, but he's like, you know, it's almost like you build up your character in a lifetime and one stupid decision can bring trouble it's also if you're in a place of leadership and you would say like one foolish decision one foolish step is is it it outweighs all of the the stuff that you had done before um and and here's the thing the reason why you, you kind of want to you're always striving to grow your heart is this it's not about intelligence some people think that they equate intelligence with wisdom and again a simple man would think that way a foolish man would think that way. I've known really smart people that are just not not wise. I mean, they're intelligent, lack wisdom. You could be the smartest guy in this room, in this city, in this state, in this country, and be very, very foolish. And so I think it's important to say, like, what's what really kind of moves somebody into the area of wisdom is, is when their heart is trained by wisdom. You might say, how do you train the heart? I think we continually like fill our hearts with the truth of God's word and then we seek to walk it out in practice. We gather ourselves around people that we can like, 
that are wise. People that you say, well, there's nobody as wise as me. I can't find anybody. Well, go like study about humility and that'll help you too. But anyway, a wise man heart inclines him, him, uh, sorry, inclines him to the right, but the fool's heart to the left. The idea there is uh, the right direction, the right path. It inclines him towards that rather than going astray. So verse 4, if the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offense to rest. The idea here is um, a wise person, a wise person will not run from the situation, but instead stay calm. And you know what? When you're around foolish people, their anger is quick to be kindled. That's just another reality. Uh, someone that is their anger is quick to be kindled, it also goes out quickly, and they've forgotten. That's the other thing. I just kind of have to get in your mind. They've already, for, in a moment, they'll forget why they were angry altogether. And so when their temperature comes down, or hopefully you've helped bring the temperature down, uh, it will um, bless, bless others, and it will bless you, and you will be fine. Uh, with a foolish person, do not expect, I would just add, an apology. They have forgotten because they're so foolish, right? Okay, so wisdom is better than folly for everyday life. And so even though if it's un unappreciated. So the first thing was it's better in making decisions. The second is it is better um, to have a wise person rather than a fool in high places. So wisdom is better than folly in high places. These verses speak of the carnage of those who are in the wrong places of influence. Verse 5 says, There's an evil I've seen on the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich set in low places. The idea here would be a foolish person kind of getting in their place of, of authority or whatever, um, and they really weren't ready for it or not fit for it. Somehow... And sometimes this happens where you have, it's an evil, really, that your rulers would be the most unwise people in the room. You know, it's kind of that thing where it's like the loud mouth gets the spot and then you get them in the spot and you think, what did we do? You know, how did we do that? So it's, it's the idea of just the fool, fool is placed in a position and is not fit for it. He hasn't learned along the way to develop. And he hasn't had to develop. And so all of a sudden, you've like put him to the top. It, it's the same thing that happens like if a kid's really good in sports and he like becomes the number one you know, player in the country or whatever. And you think that character follows that. Or somebody like goes to school and they get all of their education, all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, they go from like normal to like propelled in this really high position and everybody respects them. But their character doesn't necessarily follow the title. It's just, you will not necessarily be wise just because you're placed in a high place. That's what he's saying. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich is set in, in low places. Now, I think that kind of the picture there would be something like um, the general trajectory of prospering in society would be you would take steps over long periods of time and grow your wealth, for, let's say. Because you made wise decisions. So your wealth grew over time because you keep adding to the pot and you just kind of keep growing. 
Well, that's kind of the idea here. This is turned upside down where the person that's done nothing all of a sudden finds himself in this place of high honor and he's not there. He shouldn't be there. Verse 7. I've seen slaves on horses and princes walking around like slaves. Again, I think the idea is just there was some maybe some uprising or something like that. And these people that have been uh, not in a place, again, there's a lot we could say about that, but not in a place of leading people are now leading people. And we again, we can't go into all the details. You just got to see and understand what he's saying. Verse 17. Uh, well, let's just look at verse 16 real quick. I want you to look at that. Woe to you, O land, where your child is a king. Why? Because he hasn't had time to grow in wisdom. And your princes feast in the morning. What does that mean? They're irresponsible. They're party people. And drunken people don't lead well. People that start in the morning throwing a party and party all day will destroy a society. That's the idea. Happy is the land where the king is a son of nobility, meaning like these people are like legitimate people that will raise him up in the way in which he ought to live as a king and serve as a king. And your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not drunkenness. The idea there is, is that they would, have, they would eat well and enjoy themselves at the proper time after the work is done. That's the picture. So we would say wisdom is better than folly. You start there and say, even if it's not appreciated, uh, it helps in making decisions. Um, we understand that it's good to have good rulers. And the third thing is wisdom is better than folly in the workplace. Now, this is funny because I thought about OSHA uh, some this week when I was thinking about this, uh, which is Occupational Safety and Health Administration. And a lot of people were like, I can't stand OSHA. Uh, OSHA is there because people do stupid things to themselves. You know, it's like, well, watch this kind of situation. And you're like, nah, that's not a good idea, right? And so do they sometimes make dumb decisions? Pro yes, certainly. But the idea of, of that is just they're trying to say, look, people are going to not pay attention and they're going to be foolish. So let's make some rules so that, you know, they don't end up uh, hurting themselves or hurting others. That's kind of the idea. But I was also thinking about the seatbelt. And I remember when the seatbelt became like, you know, you had to wear the seatbelt and how mad everybody was. I was mad too. I was like, I don't want to wear a seatbelt. And I got happier after I paid my first seatbelt ticket. And I started wearing it from that point on because I hate, like, paying tickets. But anyway, it, it's interesting because seatbelts are kind of one of those things to protect you from yourself. And also child safety locks. I remember when I was a kid, <clears throat> or a younger man, I worked with this lady, and she said, yeah, one time our boy was riding around, you know, in, in the car with us, and we go around this corner, and he's hanging on the door latch, and he, like, pushes it down. He's slung out of the car, rolls on the ground. They pull over, and, you know, and the dad's like, boy, get back in the car. And, like, he dusts himself off, gets back in the car, and they go home. But a child safety deal on the door would have been really nice, you know, like in that moment. Because kids kind of do stuff like that. So here's what happens. Verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it. By the way, we're at verse 8 through 10 and verse 15 because we're kind of looking at all this. And we're saying, hey, when you're in the workplace, things kind of go wrong. The idea is uh, a really foolish person might be one who digs a hole, perhaps for an animal, maybe for a person that they're trying to, like, you know, capture. But the idea here is they dug a hole and then they forgot where they put the hole. And they fall in the hole. So that's kind of, 
again, I really do think, like, when we're thinking about leadership, uh, a nation led by fools will end up with foolish people. That's just kind of, you know, uh, your education, your uh, training, your, all those things will be kind of like result in you being kind of a foolish person. So then a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. The idea here is you're not thinking about what could be behind the wall. And so ultimately the serpent uh, bites the kids. Our, our community group the other night, uh, the kids come out. One of them was like, there's a black widow in here. Somebody kill this, you know, and everybody's like, what? Anyway, <clears throat> it was a black widow. And so they'd been trained in wisdom. Stay away from those. Uh, it's nice to do so. Verse 9, he who quarries stones is hurt by them. So construction crew there uh, thinking about they're out there digging for uh, rocks that they can use to build a building and not thinking about it maybe or something happens and rocks fall on them. Not a good idea. He who splits logs is endangered by them. <clears throat> it's, um, again, you're just thinking about that requires some level of wisdom. Remember as a kid, we would, uh, you know, you would think about how does this tree going to fall? Because we used to cut our own firewood. How, how will that fall? I mean, that's going to, you got to think about that and know that. My grandfather was a logger, and so he, for his, the younger part of his life, so he knew kind of he'd spent a lot of time laying down trees, I guess you could say. Um, so a number of things come to my mind just about just everyday life just being wise instead of foolish. And uh, I do remember as a kid, like I used to hunt at this place in, in Iron Ore Country up by Linden. And uh, they would have, uh, they drilled holes like in different places. I could be walking along, all of a sudden come up on a hole. And it was like, you know, three feet in diameter and just, I don't know how deep it went, you know. And so I'm always in my mind like watching where I'm placing my feet, you know. And I, there was a lesson to be learned there. I guess you could say for me was look for holes. And uh, I was um, thinking about another thing because you know, thinking about ocean, making wise decisions. Um, Kyron and I were at his pond where they just dug it out. And we were throwing dirt clods. You ever had dirt clod wars? Those are really cool. You know, they're fun throwing dirt clods at kids and them throwing them back at you until like one maybe has like a rock in it and then somebody gets hit. And so um, I was thinking like, and Kyron's son got hit, but he should have wore a, ha a hard hat, you know, like OSHA would say, like, when doing dirt cloud wars, wear a hard hat. Uh, a third thing I thought about, too, is when I was a kid, we were cutting firewood one day, there was this giant oak tree, and we didn't have a big enough saw, so my grandfather was like, he told my dad to stand on this piece of plywood, cut the tree down, basically, oh, and put it, we put it over the back of the bed of the truck, my grandfather's in the truck, and my dad's standing up there running the saw, and it starts to, like, break, and he's like, jumps down in the truck, and they drive off. You know, it's like, man, like, that was not the wisest thing that I've ever seen done. But I think what we're saying here, when we're thinking about, like, things that are going on around us, is we're saying wisdom. Wisdom is what we're pursuing. We want to be, we want wise leaders and, in turn, wise people in everyday life. We, we want that in our church. We want you to walk in wisdom and to think uh, about growing in Christ's likeness and be encouraged by others in it. We are not really here to just say, hey, this is how many people we had here. You know, I, I don't, that's not as important to us. We want you to be wise people. It's not just one of those things where like, we had X amount of kids, it's like nice to have kids, but we want to train our children in wisdom. We want to grow wise kids that walk in wisdom. Verse 10 uh, if the iron is, is blunt, 
and uh, no one, or I'm sorry, and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. Again, the idea of just doing it in a wise way, using your good common sense here. This one I love, if serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer, which is kind of interesting. Um, if you're an entertainer and you ever get into snake charming, you, this would be a good one, you know, to understand and to take an account of. Because I think uh, when I was a kid, I, I would have thought about snake charming in one way. Um, there was this gun called the snake charmer. It's a 410. It's a single shot. My uncle had one. That's all we ever did in that regard. But I still think if you live in certain cultures, that was a big deal. And, uh, and as a result, you'd have to say, okay, let me make sure that I've done this well before I step up to the snake. Verse 15, the toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. I, I think the idea might be here. He's worked. He's in an agrarian society. He works all week or all month or all year, but he does not know how to go and head back to the city and sell or trade his goods. And so, therefore, his family would be in poverty. He's, like, overworked himself, maybe even to a point to where he forgot to go and take in what he has made. So we're saying wisdom's better in folly when making decisions, uh, when we have our leadership people in high places, in the workplace. And wisdom's better than folly in our words. A rash word, a slanderous word, a vindictive word, a gossipy word. All those things are things that get people in trouble. All of us have moments that we do that, certainly. And verse 12 through 14 says, The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. I think it's important to say, some of you might say, it's okay to be foolish. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, I can be dumb and act silly and not think about the, what this might do for someone else and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is, is in the scripture here, it calls it evil and madness. That's what it leads to. Foolishness leads to that. A fool, you, you sometimes will know a fool by the fact that uh, the number of his words... Um, but also the content, like what he, what he says. A fool is shown by the content of his words. It's, you're asking yourself like, okay, if you, have, you say and say and say the same things and the things are silliness, it's, it's an evil thing. You're making stuff up. A fool multiplies his words, though no man knows what is to be and who can tell him what will be after him. The idea here is this. Of course, when you think about a polit, I think about political people. Political people can make big promises. They don't know the future. How do they know the future? Why overpromise something? Why would you do that? Like, but you see that all over and over and over. It's like if you don't know the future, watch your words. Wisdom means that you would watch your words and you would speak in a proper way. Rather than devastating people with your words, watch your words. Wisdom's better than folly in the way in which you speak. And then 
verse 20. So we look at 12 to 14 and then also verse 20. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. This is the opposite side. We might have someone who's kind of talking it up and saying all these things that they don't know whether it's true or not. And then you have someone that's sitting there listening sometimes and you say, well, what's their response? I think they just have to be careful. Be careful to, to consider what they are saying, how they speak. Matthew twelve thirty four says, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It tells us later that you'll give an account for your words. God sees what we say. He sees what we think. He knows what's in our hearts, whether we say it or not. So wisdom is better than folly with regard to making decisions, with regard to leadership in the workplace, and, and with our words. And this last portion is like, it speaks of the end in verse 18 and 19. It's kind of, um, what you're seeing is, is where foolishness leads. Uh, this is a last little bit, so you kind of hang in there and we'll see. But through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. What he's saying is, a fool will not work hard. And the end of a fool's life is one of, he, he has wasted away all the opportunity, let's say, that he's had. And everything will come crumbling down. The, fool's, the fool will be found out in the end. You know, it's like when the water comes out, like you've heard people say, who's wearing clothes? The fool will not be wearing clothes. And so you see that. So he goes on, verse 19, Bread is for laughter and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. It's, he's going back to that thing of you want to enjoy life. But I think there's also this kind of warning here where it's not all about this life. There's, there's this kind of, I think, warning as you're looking and thinking about the future. It's not all here. It's fine. Yes, enjoy some of the things today. But look further in the future. I think that's what the Christian's constantly having to do. He's saying, yes, I enjoy this moment, but I'm looking beyond this moment to the end. I'm looking towards a celebration 5,000 years from now, kind of. I'm looking further. I'm looking out. I'm thinking about the future. And I think the way to think about the future most wisely is to think about how God is going to rescue all things, how God's kingdom comes, how it comes into one's heart, what does it mean to submit to the true king and enjoy him? And all of those things are, are very, very important to us. Because trusting in Jesus is the only way to true. It's a pathway to wisdom. It's a pathway to living under wisdom. It is the great hope for our life and the life for any other person, man, woman, boy, girl, here. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. When you think about Jesus, about His leadership, about His humble service, about the way in which He used His words, about what He gave Himself to, about what He's doing today, presently, at the right hand of the Father, about the fact that one day for all those who are who with Him, they will be led uh, by ultimate wisdom and experience the transformation and be made wise 
themselves. So if you are here today lost in your sins, I would say turn to the true king who is the ultimate and final wise king, the only hope for us, the one who gave his life for us that we might be saved. The scripture says, as Annette read earlier, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wisdom of it, the truth there, the hope in it, the future that is promised for all those who come to the true king and experience the transformation not only of living in his kingdom, but of their own lives. We pray all would come and turn in faith to him. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand with me at this time. Every week we take